Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everybody. Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, I'm back at work again. I'm happy about that. Uh, the Dania Highlight Open for their uh, fall season on October the 1st. And uh, still no regular poker up there, although something uh, bizarre. I guess they can do whatever they want as far as uh, the room goes. But they have uh, uh, put up the plexiglass partitions for the player banked games there's like uh, three or four of those tables up there and there's one there's a couple of big tables that are uh, off to the side kind of high roller tables and they actually have a regular game there uh that they're playing the rest of the room is down but i guess uh, it's worth their while to open uh, a little bit of the of, uh, texas hold'em for uh, some of the regular customers that maybe play once or twice a week it's it's beneficial to who's ever dealing that game. That's what, that's who it's fucking excuse me, that's who it's beneficial to. So that's that's all. You're not gonna make a lot of money off of that game. Uh well Anyway, I don't know when their plans are to reopen completely, but they do have the highlight season open. Uh, casino is open. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, packed to the gills or anything, but uh, there's no buffet. Uh, there is the uh, restaurant downstairs, the grill, and a few other things. So, uh, again, things starting to get a little bit back to uh, normal, and uh, we will look forward to things changing along the way. Uh, what do you hear about other date places down there? You told me you guys uh, are – doing pretty good uh, yeah we've been doing some high promotions as a matter of fact uh uh if my voice seems a little bit tired today folks i apologize but i also came back from having surgery or at uh you know tw- four weeks ago and had a very long day yesterday monday's one of the bigger promotion days and uh you know we ran seven full tables uh when i say full it's six-handed in our place and uh, we were running all four DP tables were running at one point. So, um, you know, it's, it's been it's been nice. You know, the, it's real nice to see the room full again. Uh, the promotions have been working. Uh, combination of we're giving out the right promotions and our competitors at this moment have decided not to uh, aggressively go after these poker players with promotions. For whatever reason, you know, it could have been because of the shutdown um, and everything else. So, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I am a little surprised because, as, as you've mentioned, the numbers that Magic City and Hialeah uh, do on a monthly basis, which are very impressive. Um, I really thought that they would, you know, come back out the same way that they did. But uh, again, people don't realize, Dave, that. Dade County uh, was closed for an additional two months. Right. We've now been open for about five weeks, give or take a few days. And the big problem is we have a curfew here in Dade County still. Right. So the casino's only been open, you know, on average uh, 12 hours, okay, 12 to 13 hours on average. Uh, Most of the casinos have opened an hour earlier than they used to. And we've had, you know, for the first month, we had to close at 930 because the curfew was 10. The The mayor here has made it 11. So we're now closing at 1030 so that the guests can get home by 11 o'clock. So, right. you know, that's definitely hurt revenue, you yeah. know, to, to say the least. And um, uh, it's funny because being on the hosting side, also besides the poker side, People are like, oh, you know, how about the free play? You were on the slot side, you know, at one time at, at, at the aisle. And, you know, we're very generous. You know, we give out the be- the most amount of money in Dade County. But, you know, it's kind of hard to give that away when you don't even have – when we haven't earned money for five months out of these out of these nine months and one week of the year. And then on top of that, five weeks we've been we're operating at – close to half of the hours that we're, we're allowed to. So, 
Yeah. Well, I want to talk about an article I read because it concerns the social game, and I want to lead into it uh, by asking you a couple questions about it. Of course, a little later in the show, we'll cover some of the latest news in the world of poker. Uh, Negranu versus Polk head-to-head play is uh, getting ready to uh, finally happen. Uh, Mike Postel had the uh, unbelievable gall to sue everybody that said anything bad about him, basically. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, you would think if you got off scot-free that you would just, you know, crawl well, under a rock. And if you got off scot-free and people ruined your reputation, um, you know, I'm sure some lawyers are out there saying, hey, you, you could turn this into a couple of million dollars easy. Yeah, but even if you know that uh, you, uh, you, do, you had it was deserved – deserved or not has nothing to do with it. Dave. doesn't matter. huh? That has, has listen, uh, are you living in the 2020? Have you been around since 2016? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that has not the truth. The truth has nothing with, with to do with anything nowadays. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's what A you can get away with. Pervasive lying society. It's what uh, you can get away with. We might talk about a couple little hands later, but I was reading this article, and it's from a couple of years ago uh, by Linda Johnson in uh, Card Player Magazine. Linda's one of our favorites. Yes. Uh, one of the people in poker, one of the nicest and one of the best reputations. Uh, we've had Linda and your good friend Jan Fisher on the show many times. Run into Linda into several tournaments and done interviews with her. Uh, she was involved pretty heavily with the uh, Daytona uh, charity tournament, the Howard Frank Deep Stack event. Uh, that is one of the great charity poker tournaments uh, around anywhere. Uh, she was involved in that, uh, and uh, I've talked to her, interviewed her a few times out at the World Series. And then at the aisle where the Howard Frank tournament moved to the last couple of years, uh, she would come down for that. And always fun to talk to her. Of course, she was very visible at the end of Mike Sexton's life. They were close friends and she delivered a lot of the news to people on Twitter. What was happening with Mike and actually was the one that announced uh, that he had passed away. So uh, one of the I got to think one of the most visible people over the years in the world of poker that everybody would know uh, ran uh, card player cruises was the owner of card player magazine for many years uh, has written books. And uh, she talks about how a couple of years ago she's having a great time playing cash games out at the uh, World Series of Poker. They had a special lounge called the King's Cash Game Lounge that they put together. It was a high limit area, special perks, uh, great chairs, and uh, especially uh, chosen experienced dealers, a lounge with big screen TVs and, uh, you know, all the latest in technology. And, uh, you know, a few other things for people like coffee machines and just a great player. She said it was, uh, you know, a little more expensive because the rake was $12 per player per every half hour. Which is a lot, and she that said it's a lot. But she said it was well worth it. You know, she has no quarrel with Rio for charging that extra money because it was just luxurious, and she was happy to pay to to uh, pay now, it and play it. Did, was they also getting food there? I'm sorry, yes, I don't, uh, sure. brought, brought food in. She said every three to four hours, it was very high quality food, and uh, just a great time, a kind of a party atmosphere for poker high well, limit poker players. Let me tell you that it's it's worth the extra ten to twelve bucks an hour that they were paying, be, you know, between the two half hours. So, but she always talks. So well, she's obviously always an ambassador for the game wherever she plays. She says she always has three things, three goals every time she goes. Obviously, she wants first she wants to make money. Secondly, she wants to make sure that she has fun. And third, she wants all her opponents to have fun. That's foremost in her mind. So, uh, you know, over the years, you can imagine the kind of stories she would have to tell, uh, not of only of all the players that she's known, but all her experiences, you know, with the cruises and, uh, you know, with the magazine and all the things that she's done over the years. Well, she said she most of the tables she went to, uh, people didn't recognize her. And she didn't really have a problem with that. But she said she felt invisible because a lot of the conversations at the table as a middle-aged woman, they left her out of them and and just basically ignored her most of the time. So uh, I I thought that was very strange, uh, you know, 
she didn't expect any kind of special treatment, she says, but, you know, she just wanted to be a part of the group. And so she was, uh, you know, didn't really have a lot of fun at those tables. And I guess my question to you is, things have changed with the COVID now that you're back open again. There's got to be a ton less social interaction between players. Well, I, again, being back and yesterday being a full room, um, be honest with you, it wasn't in our, in our room. People were, you know, socializing for the better part. Uh, you know, much to our dismay, we did have two guests, you know, get into a little bit. Um, a rumble? Um, nah, you know, they're talking a lot of crap to each other. And, you know, and I had to shut one one jerk up because he loves to get involved and tries to be the tough guy. You know, every time he's in the room, he, sh- he should be barred from there. But, um, I, you know, but I didn't see, uh, you know, it was the same type of people. You know, remember, in our, in our local poker room, it's the same people. So it's a lot easier to be social because, you know, I, I see you, Dave. If I see you and Joe four times a week, you know, we play poker four times a week and, and usually on the same table, whether we're wearing a mask or not, we, you know, if we start, if we were social before, you're going to be social now. What I think Linda's situation is, you know, not being recognized probably gives you an idea of the age of the group of poker players. Yeah, she played. said they were mostly 25 to 30. There you go. So, you know, the, uh, an indication of today's sign of today's uh, youth and, Poker players, we've discussed this many times on the show where, uh, you know, poker, I love Linda Johnson, like you mentioned on our show, but poker used to be, yes, one, you want to make money. Two, you want to have a good time. And three, you hope everybody at the table, for the most part, has a good time. You know that isn't always the case because the big losers just aren't going to be very happy about taking a you know a hit in the pockets but um you you played with the same group of people it, it became a not only a you know a place for you to make money if you were a very good player but it was a socializing place like if you went to any bar that you knew the the regulars there and i think that's what linda was probably alluding to that she was hoping it would have that type of atmosphere but unfortunately with today's you know youth and this is not just something new now uh this is i think this has been going on you know since the internet boom and and once it spilled over into the brick and mortar uh because of the uh you know the um i I forgot the name of the act but when they when they made it illegal on black friday you know social skills aren't the same people aren't brought up people aren't brought up the same i mean prior to the start of the show we were discussing how some of these people are acting nowadays in, in the 2020. Uh, it's just a completely different world. I, I hate to say that because I wish I could say it was a better world uh, or even a parallel world, just different. I, I think we've taken a step back socially, you know, uh, with our social skills as to how we treat people. Uh, the upbringing of, of today's youth uh, you know, I, the way I was brought up, the way I brought up my daughters, you know, it's it's, it's a different world, Dave. And yeah. people our age, and Linda's in our group. You know, I would imagine she's in our group. If yeah, not a she's of years in her older. she's in her late sixties, probably. Uh, she's a heavy woman, but uh, you know, all I can imagine is some some hot young chick there at the table that guys would be chatting her up. Uh, you know, hoping that they had a chance to score. Uh, you know, uh, Dave. But she, let me tell you something. Not even with that. With that, you know, you still get. I've seen the the idiots who get shut down because you know sometimes these girls are good looking they get hit on a lot and you know these uh, unfortunately too many of these idiots hit on them like they're at a strip club you know and uh you know if you're if you're a strong-willed woman and 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 you put them down well you know you know what happens after that you're a lesbian you're a dyke you're this you're a bitch and and they start with all the negative talk so yeah you know to me it's just uh, it's a different world that we live in. You know, it's just, I mean, think about it. We, if, 
you know, I saw Doyle Brunson many years ago, and, you know, Doyle's got to be pushing 90, I would imagine, very yeah. close to it. And I saw him tw- a good 20 years ago or close to it. So he was already in his late 60s, maybe early 70s. And I was shocked to see how big a man he was, how tall. Yeah, he was a very large man. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, I I thought I was seeing a movie star, (laughs) you know. And it was a poker movie. I mean, a poker player movie star for me because I love poker that much. And, and, you know, he was obviously the fame of the super system. And like I said, I thought I was seeing a, 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 a Hall of Fame baseball. Like for me, if I was if I was to see Babe Ruth alive, I. You know, as a Yankee fan, I'd, I'd, I'd go to the ground thinking I had seen, uh, you know, royalty or or, 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 or or some religious figure. Today's people probably would react more to seeing a Chris Moneymaker. Yeah, exactly. You know, somebody like that who is a contemporary and someone that changed the game when they were very young. But, Joe Costello, you, know, uh, you want to jump in on this? I, I did, Dave and Joe, and I appreciate it. And hey, everybody. Uh, do you think, for as the young guy on the show, and everybody knows, you know, I look in my late 20s. But uh, <laughs> that's my line lately. Everybody loves mid-30s, it. Mid-30s, Joe. Mid-30s, you think I should go mid-30s? That. That's fine. Uh, but do you think it has something to do with Miami, Joe? Because I think that I get around a fair amount, and I'm not saying that they're everywhere else is super nice, but... I, I know everybody's different and the culture is different and definitely things are maybe more modern and people are used to communicating through their mobile devices and maybe people are a little more harsh in certain places, yes, generally. But I also think it might have something to do with where we are. And uh, I don't know yeah. why that might be, but I do get around a fair amount. I travel a fair amount. And I do run into a, a lot of nice people in other places that I go. Maybe that were this booming metropolis, maybe because we're this clash of cultures, maybe, you know, I don't know. Pretty people. Uh, Who knows? Uh, You've got people (laughs) sitting next to each other and one person is a millionaire and the other person has got very little like, you know, and they're both scrapping it out at the card table, trying to battle each other. Like, I just don't know. But I hope that that's just overstated because it it sounds very negative. Well, I think I think it's familiar that uh, in South Florida, in uh, California, in Vegas, in some of those places, people are like that. Uh, You know, in my football travels, going to smaller towns and uh, even places in the Midwest, you know, you don't see people act like that in, in Indiana and Ohio. And guess what, Dave? I got to work three poker tournaments and in, I know in a couple uh, of, Iowa. Well, yeah. first the last two that I worked right before I started working at Dania was at council bluff, uh, Harris property council bluff in Iowa. Could not believe how wonderful the people were, how, you know, nice everybody in that, you know, in that community was that I, that I interacted with how civil some of the players were. Uh, Joe, they did, you know, some people did kind of get into it, but they just weren't quite as loud as they are down here because <laughs> of the Latin. And I put that on my culture, the Latin culture, the Caribbean culture that we have down here. Miami's but they were thing. civil. They were civil to each other. Then I went to Kansas City and it was, oh, my God, you know, that was incredible also, you know, super nice. And a couple of years prior to that, the first assignment I ever worked for for these people uh, Big Dave, you they had offered it to you and you couldn't make it and recommended me was Pensacola. Right, right. And I, 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 I've never forgotten how driving from the airport in my rented car, I'm at a stoplight and being being a, you know a typical you know New Yorker which hasn't left my my blood system yet. The light changes. I was entertained on something on the radio and I go, oh my god, it's been ten seconds. Nobody's moved. And then I go. Then I realized no one's even, you know, you know, leaned on their horn. So I did not do it, and I stayed there, and it took a good 20 seconds, three lanes of, of traffic, four or five cars in each lane. Now, one horn sounded wow. before we started to move. So, you know, that kind of left me thinking. I go, wow, you know, and then got to another light. I purposely waited, same thing, got to the hotel. The people were super nice. So when I got after a couple of days there, I mentioned that story to one of the people at the at the casino in 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 uh, Pensacola. The guy goes, 
oh, no one blows a horn here. You know, everybody's <laughs> just so nice. And by the time I left Pensacola, I, I, I thought that I had just left the nicest city in the world. And the people there, yes, Joe, was very different. Now, um, I, I didn't get around there to see how high the limits were, Joe. And I know that in other parts of the country, I've mentioned this on our show, the amount of money that we give away down here, that the, all the different casinos, you know, card rooms give away, all of a sudden lights a fire under people. So, yeah. you know, when you're not competing for a lot of money and the game is civil and, you know, a bad day may be 50 to $100 and a good day could be 50 to $100, it's, it's a lot easier to take, you know. But down here, you know, somebody Pressure's gets on. under you and you're losing a $1,000 an hour yeah. high yeah. hand. Let me tell you the emotions, and and again, we're we we are a melting pot down here. Yeah. So you've got a lot of fiery, you know. Uh, I didn't know this. I thought it was mostly the Latins and the Cubans that I have dealt with, and I'm and I'm of Cuban descent. For anybody listening out there, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I know how my people are. We're very loud and emotional, but we have a lot of the, you know Spanish cultures down here that are the same way. The Haitian culture. Uh, which is also very, very fiery. And, and, and we have a large Russian community that's up in the Broward area that are also very, uh, very emotional. Everybody's not, not emotional. Everybody here is emotional. It's like but, a But what I'm trying tinderbox. to say is New York was like that, and Dave mentioned California. Yeah, you know, when you have that many different cultures and in a large city and the pressure of it, Joe, you might have hit it on the head when you said it's Miami, but it's not just Miami. It's it's all the big cities. And, you know, with living in a big city means you're paying a lot of big mortgage, a lot of rent, more money for food. It's a it's a more expensive life. So the Rat money race. probably makes a lot hey, more, hey, can more you, importance. Can you cut off Trump's mic there? <laughs> Go ahead. Guys. Joe, you had one more point no, to make. I Joe just I, I agree with I agree with what Joe was saying and I just it's it's a, a bit of a rat race situation. Anytime you've got large numbers of people all in the same place competing, think about Little League Baseball here in Miami. Like, think about the Little League kids and the families and how intense everything gets because this is a pressure cooker of a little area. And uh, I just think it's that, and I just don't want to, uh, you know, give up on the whole civilization just yet. I think we can try to calm it down and it's sad when you run into people like you did joe it's terrible but hopefully we can cool those things and get back to being as civil as is possible while still gutting our competition and living by the rules of crom well that's the point (laughs) that's the point i wanted to make by bringing this whole thing up i mean obviously when you go to a game that's fun the people are nice and you and you don't have to win to have a great time uh the way things are now you know you got to walk out with a few dollars or you're going to maybe not come back again. And if you're a very bad poker player playing in a high limit game, you know, like I said, when you're losing 50, to, I get people complaining to me, telling me I've lost 300 bucks this week. And I remember when I would laugh at that because of the amount of money I make, I'm older now. I'm not involved in all my stuff. 300 makes a lot of money, but I see people who lose thousands of dollars almost on a daily basis, Dave. And unless you've got, you know, uh, a money, mach- a money making machine yeah. or, 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 or some sort of business where you're just streaming dollars consistently, you know, people can't put up with that. And once your lifestyle starts changing because of a lot, the loss of income, you know, moods change. And, and it, it, that's like I said, Linda can write a book about all her positive, negative, crazy, all the different things, experiences that she's witnessed in her in her poker career and and I I could do the same over the last almost 30 years just down here in Florida. I just can't imagine going to a table and and maybe you don't even recognize the person right away but if you got a chance to play for a couple hours with a with a Hall of Famer or a couple of Hall of Famers uh wouldn't you just tap their mind for their experiences and be entertained by the stories they would have to tell? I, I would, yeah. You're, you're you're preaching to the choir here, buddy. I I would love to do that. I remember when I played uh, after I was let go and thing. I played in a celebrity tournament, and I had Kijana Carter sitting as a celebrity. Now again, he's not a poker player, but 
soon as I heard the name, you know, the person next to me goes, who's that? And I go, well, he was a Penn State running back, first round pick for Cincinnati. And I guess he overheard me and he goes, oh, you seem to know a lot. I go, well, listen, you know, I, I'm not a Bengals fan. I go, but, you know, I, I am a sports fan. And, you know, and then people then all of a sudden started to ask him questions who had no idea who he was, you know, that, like I said, he overheard me talking and I probably did it loud enough so that he would understand that people, you know, wanted to know who he was. And he was very humble and, you know, didn't say I'm, I'm a so-and-so person. And they had a lot of different football players there who weren't your, you know, your uh, superstars, but were outstanding football athletes. And, um, I, I'd love that day, but like I said, today's social people, sometimes they could care less. They're so, you know, either either they don't give a damn, you know, that uh, I'm trying to get the right word, that they are just don't have any desire to know anything. They think they know it all, or they're just nasty and rude and they're pissed off with their own lives and could care less about anybody right. else unless they're miserable. Well, let's uh, just look at the bottom line here. I mean, we've gone through this whole pandemic, and uh, at some point it's going to be over, and hopefully things can get back to normal. I don't know when that will be, but there's a lot of rebuilding of this game we need to do. I mean, you know, maybe everybody just decides to stay home and play online. Uh, that's not a good thing. But if we want to get people back in the rooms, we need – We don't have. you don't have to be a poker ambassador like Linda Johnson. You don't have to do interviews and, and be on TV – just do your part to make the people at your table comfortable and have some fun. I mean, that they have a good time. You want them to be there if they're not tremendous players. So you want them to keep coming back. That is the way to grow the game back. Yeah, we want those people to come back. You want to bring in, in new blood. Um, poker is always a game where you need new blood. You always need, uh, you know, I call it new blood. They always say new money. And the only reason you keep getting new money coming in is that it's a fun experience. They can't, they can't, these new people always, you lose money on, on the large majority consistently. So the only reason you can keep them coming back is that they're having a good time. Um, so I don't know, Dave. Uh, I used to love playing for the social aspect and because I thought I was a superior poker player it was fun making money and having a good time with the people that's the game. And, and I don't want to be morbid about this, but let's face it. When you get back and you start hearing and talking to players, uh, you're going to find that a lot of your older players have probably passed away. Uh, you know, maybe not directly from the virus, but, you know, let's face it. Six months have advanced and uh, people get older and either your health has deteriorated one way or another because of or not because of COVID. And you're going to lose a lot of players that were regulars in games at, at card rooms all over the country. So we have to redevelop our audience and get more people involved. And by doing, by being nice to them, be, making sure that they're enjoying themselves and having a good time, we can still regrow the game uh, to levels that we've had in the past. Well, and, and what you said is true. and so It's happened in our room. Um, not so much maybe because they've passed away. But because they are of a certain age, maybe 10 to 15 years older than us, consistently going. But at that point, you know, you have underlying conditions. So the fear of you catching something that could, you know, kill you, uh, affect your family members. So a lot of the elderly poker players are staying away. At least I've seen that um, in, in our room. Uh, Joe, did you want to mention uh, say well, something? Well, just to wrap it all together, uh, you've been covering the coronavirus for the past six months. We've all been living through it. I really think that once we get through this, and at some point it will be in the rearview mirror, whether it be with a vaccine or multiple vaccines or treatments or otherwise, at some point we will get beyond this. And at that point, people are going to want to go back out and they're going to want to experience things. And I am personally predicting a renaissance of kindness because people are going to appreciate it. And I really think right now the intensity everywhere is through the roof. There, We're in an election year. People are angry. People are political. And I think that that can change. And once we get on the other side of the coronavirus pandemic, when the pressure is 
down a little bit, when people are making money again, when we can go out there and be close to one another and be friends and hang with our friends and not worry like we are right now, I think you are. You're going to see what I'm dubbing the renaissance of kindness, where that's going to become a thing again and mutual respect and like, hey, man, let me get the door for you and I'll touch it and I'll, you know, that kind of stuff. That's coming. We just got to get there and we're not there yet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from your uh, your mouth to God's ears, let's hope that happens. Uh, yeah, let's Joe. take a let's take a break here on the show. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about some news of the day uh, in the world of poker. Also, uh, we'll go over a couple of hands and get some analysis from Joe when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Of course, uh, you can always pick up the show on SoundCloud or Spotify. We'd love to have you listen to the show and uh, rate it, uh, subscribe to it if you can, so that you get a notification every time we put up a new show. Uh, a lot of people follow us on Twitter. Uh, we do tweet the show out, uh, links to it, uh, through the SoundCloud link and through the Spotify link. So watch for those as well. And um, drop me an email if you can, lemondave at yahoo.com. And uh, let me know what you're looking forward to uh, doing in the world of poker when things get a little bit better here and when all the rooms reopen. Uh, we'll hope for the best. We have to hang in there. What else can we do? We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the show when we return here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on their royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. We don't have to wait for the renaissance of kindness. Uh, we can we can experience it right now here on Poker Action Line, and we will for our last uh, uh, 20 minutes or so of the show. Uh, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, Joe Costello uh, producing the show for us and uh, pumping in some interesting tidbits that uh, we certainly uh, can make this a learning experience for anybody. Thanks, Joe. I just want to say that that's me. That's mine. I don't know where I came up with that. <laughs> 
But if anybody uses it, I will find you. Just give me credit, and all's good. Yeah. Well, I think you should, I think you should patent it right now. Oh, I did all right. I'm working on it. I've oh, got the paperwork in. I'm submitting it right now. Okay. Renaissance of kindness. That's gold. T-shirts. Well, not a lot of kindness surrounding Mike Postel. Uh, you know, I guess I bring up this up. I'm kind of fascinated with this whole story, if you haven't noticed. But uh, basically, his, uh, his charges and his... Uh, um, you know, being on the line for his cheating really kind of got dismissed. And uh, a lot of people were unhappy with Mac Verstandig, the lawyer who kind of just, uh, you know, said that there was nothing they could find and that sort of thing. But a lot of people don't want to let it drop. Uh, so they've uh, gone out, Doug Ga- or uh, Phil Galfond and uh, a few others are uh, doing some research. Now, he may just be doing this uh, postal to uh, – to go ahead and uh, kind of make them des- cease and desist from uh, investigating his hands. But instead, uh, Postel filed a lawsuit uh, of defamation of character in the county of Sacramento uh, out in California. And he named as the top of the list uh, Veronica Brill, who was the woman who worked out there at the Stones Gambling Hall and was part of that uh, podcast that basically exposed him by herself. But he didn't stop there. He is suing uh, ESPN, Joey Ingram, the podcaster, uh, Daniel Negranu, uh, Poker News, the website, uh, also uh, Jonathan Little, uh, Solve for Why, which is Matt Berkey's group, and Todd uh, Wittellis, an individual. So uh, basically, he's covered everybody and and named like seven different charges of complaint for damages. So, and what's uh, he, what's he asking in damages? Is he asking monetarily the, the figures or he is? Or but there's, there's or... no there's no exact uh, no exact numbers. But maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he wants an apology. Apology. Well, you uh, know, there's, this is twofold. You know, stops people from consistently, you know, badgering him. You know. Um, and again, Dave, you know, uh, whether he did it or not, you know, they, what was it? What was the case? They, it was thrown out because they couldn't prove it. Yeah. Because of the laws that you can't, uh, sue somebody for uh poker for gambling losses, basically. So, so it wasn't because they don't think they could prove he cheated. It's just because you can't sue them for gambling losses. Yeah, and the, as far as actually proving it, it's uh, it was a little, little bit of a gray area. I because I I believe if fraud was was uh, used, you could sue somebody for that. You know, you can't yeah. sue somebody just because oh I blew my house and my savings, and, and you run a gambling establishment. Uh, in this particular case, they were accusing him of actual him and other people of cheating. So, you know, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I, I, w- I would have loved to have gotten more information on that. On, on, yeah, on well, the stories are out there. Uh, Veronica Brill, who was uh, the main one at the top of the list, uh, asked people to help her out, went on Twitter, and they set up a crowdfunding site for her. And uh, it raised $20,000 in less than eight hours. So uh, she's got support out there. Good for her. Uh, Norman Chad tweeted about it. And uh, that's probably the best line I saw. He said, uh, Postal's suing a bunch of people for defamation, slander, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And then he said, he must have an ace up his sleeve. <laughs> that Norman. Yeah, that, he's always good. Good for a good line, yeah. for sure. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted on what we find out about that. Uh, also the story that kind of, uh, was on hold for a while, but uh, is taking off is the, uh, the heads up match as uh, Doug Polka challenged Daniel Negreanu. Negreanu said he would play. They have to come to an agreement on how much they're going to play. But Negreanu said, listen, I, I can, I can do this starting November 1st, if you're happy with that. And so it looks like they're moving forward and they're going to have uh, coverage on one of the, uh, uh, video websites like Twitch or something like that, and people are going to be able to watch that. But there's there's some bad blood there, and it might be really interested to see two of the great poker minds go at it heads up. I mean, it's not the first thing that's happened. There's been several challenges. Phil Galfond uh, currently playing Chance Corneth right now in a big match, and there's been a few other ones. But, um, you know, he basically pokes, uh, exposed him and said, you know, he's uh, giving me the runaround. Let's schedule this. And 
uh, let's work out some details. So, uh, you know, they're going to try it now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you have any interest in that whatsoever? <laughs> I think I know the answer, but no, not for me to be honest. With you. And I'm, and I love that. You know, I'm a big dad. I know you're Nagano a Negrano fan. You, I'm you, a big I would think fan that you at least but, you check know, in to see a, about as it. A, as a poker player, if I'm not playing, like I said, I've mentioned it many times on our show, certain things will interest me, like the William uh, thing situation. Someone makes a jackass of themselves. I don't mind watching a final table like when ESPN does it. The last few have been very interesting seeing the style. But heads up play, you know, I've had to deal heads up play, Dave. It's boring as all hell. Um, you know, somebody like Negrano, who actually will be making comments, and I'm sure Doug Polt will too. But, you know, I, I love poker. I love running a poker room. <laughs> I love de- teaching people how to deal. But uh, for me, you know, I'll, I'll wait for the results and you could tell me the results later and we can discuss if there was an interesting <laughs> hand or not in there. Okay. Uh, one other thing that came out over the weekend, it's the first I've ever seen about that. There's a brand new poker tour uh, in the Midwest called Midway Poker Tour in the Chicago area. And it's tied in with a charity. So there's some special laws. There's an $1,100 main event tournament. It has two starting flights. Uh, and they played uh, all the players that, that made the money each were about to win at least $2,300. But the problem came up since it was tied in with this charity called Kit for Kids Sake. Uh, the laws governing charity gaming said that the maximum award that any player could win was their buy-in plus $500. So that's a 1600. So everybody that was in the money, uh, was going to have a problem. So here's what they did. They decided that they would give out uh, coins and uh, silver. And uh, players basically were upset because they didn't know about it ahead of time. They were going to try to hire a representative from this company who was going to cash out players there. They found out that uh, you can't do that. That's against the law. And there's a big problem. So, uh, uh, the players were owed money in the precious metals. One player said he received 28 one-ounce silver coins, $35.70 a piece. And the problem was that, you know, when you want to turn that into cash with a spot price, it's about 70% of the price that they're supposed to be worth. So everybody got shorted and nobody was happy. <laughs> you ever heard of anything like that? Have I ever seen anything like that? No, I have not. Well, the state of Florida doesn't have those rules. Uh, the only thing I've ever come close to was when I worked in Council Bluff. Uh, you said that their chat, their law. Where was this again? Where was this? This was outside again? Chicago. Okay. Well, in, in Iowa, um, which made for me and and um, <laughs> the gentleman I worked with have a very long night was in Iowa. Uh, when they come to a deal, if they come to a deal on the final table, no matter what the chip count is, no matter what it is, it's either uh, it's either completely equal across the board, or you finish it out. You can't okay. you can't stagger, uh, you can't do the uh, the chip count. You know, uh, you can't you can't say, oh, okay, I'll take you know fifty five percent. You take forty five percent of the prize pool if your head's up. No, it's 50-50, or, or you play it out till, till there's a winner. Okay. Well, I just thought that was a weird way to c- try to resolve a problem. We've heard people uh, fudging around with their tournaments, adding uh, extra opening days, and, and doing whatever they need to do to keep from taking it in the shorts. But uh, that was kind of a first for me, so I thought I would uh, bring well, that one up. you know, if I was a player – Okay, I can respect the rules of, you know, the state. That's what it was going in. So, you know, shame on me for not knowing the rules, but even bigger shame on the on the card room and the charity people not making this, you know, or either not knowing it or not making it clear to the participants who were playing in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you owe that to them, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. You know, as long as you know the rules going in, you're fine. If you don't want to read them, that's your problem. If you find out something that's not to your fit, that's, you know, that's not going to be good for you. 
But as long as everyone knows the rules are posted and everything, you know, people have to accept that. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, certainly, uh, that's a major problem. Uh, let's talk a couple of poker hands. And I was looking at a card player, and I pulled him out of there uh, from a couple of years ago. So it was the World Series of Poker that uh, John Sin defeated uh, Tony Miles for the title. But a couple of hands came up, and you know, a lot of times we'll look, and there'll be these incredible uh, river cards or uh, you know, uh, trapping people when you have a tremendous hand, but. These are a little bit different, so uh, let, let's take a look. Uh, John Sin was playing Jokata uh, on the final table. Uh, basically, Sin had about a two-to-one chip lead at the time, 50 million chips, so it's very late in the tournament. Kata had 30 million chips. Uh, there were five players left at the final table, so obviously every step up is huge money. I think the step between uh, – Fifth and fourth was something like six hundred seventy-five dollars, uh, or six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. So uh, the hand John Sin, and I'm going to give you Sin's hand. You don't know what I have. I'll be Kata, but Sin had a Jack Ten offsuit, and uh, the blinds were five hundred thousand a million. So it's very late in the tournament, obviously. Uh, Sin raises. With a big blind is a million dollars. He raised to two point two million under the gun. I call from the big blind. The flop is six of spades, five of clubs, three of diamonds. Uh, I check. You bet two point four million, and I make the call. Now, how okay. are you feeling about this hand? By the way, you don't have anything basically. I don't you like know that. My hand. I don't like my hand at all that that you've called on such an ugly flop. Okay. Um, The turn is a three of clubs. Okay. Doesn't that pair the board too? That pairs the board. Okay. Uh, So my bet is 5.1 million. And you raise to 10.5 million. Of course, you're the chip leader, but that, uh, you know, that's a situation where you try to blow me out of the hand, but I do make the call. Now you're probably going, oh, crap. Yeah, I mean, right now I got to figure I, I may even be drawing dead, you yeah. know, because at this point, the only thing you're beating is is a pure bluff. And, and even then the bluff could beat you. Queen high bluff could beat you. Uh, the river, by the way, is a two of spades. So all of a sudden, there's a gut shot straight draw out there on the board. Uh, I move all in for $15 million. You as Joe Carter move all yeah. in. I got to throw – and personally, I, I, I got to throw my hand out. Yeah. I don't – I can't make a call with Jack High. Right. So well, that's I, what Sin did. Obviously, there's the obvious play there. But the, the twist here is – that raise that he did on the well, turn. Kata was holding king queen of clubs, so he didn't have much either. No, pretty good, pretty good bluff, I would say. Well, yeah, it was. It, it it was it was a bluff that wasn't a bluff because he did hold the best hand, but he was he was playing. Kata was more more playing his opponent's cards than his own, and that's what great players do. I mean, that's why he's that's why he's got a main event uh, bracelet. So. Right. Uh, yeah, interesting hand, uh, you know, and probably one that's hard for us to comment on uh, due to the fact that, well, as I've always said on the show, Dave, if you've been playing with, a, with an opponent for quite a while, you know, you start getting, uh, you know, picking up on tendencies. Right. And, uh, you know, Joe Carter might have picked something up on him, even if he had ace king or something. You know, he, he he made the calls. You were aggressive. You know, he could have played an A6 and, you know, figured the six was good. And, uh, again, it's a great, it was a great hand for Joe Carter. I thought he played it out beautifully. Um, 
you know, if no one did anybody interview the other player to find out why he came back at him? Uh, uh, no, but he did win the tournament, so I guess uh, he didn't really have to explain himself. No, no, he have a lot of explaining he, to do there, Lucy. He, he saved, he saved, he saved enough money to be able to win the tournament, which is all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Okay, one other hand. This also involves Kata, uh, and I'll be Kata once again. Uh, this is a little bit earlier in the tournament uh, when Kata had uh, 12 million chips. He's going up against Alex Linsky, who had 51 million. Uh, this was with 12 players remaining. So you're just outside the final bubble uh, for the final table bubble. Uh, and there were six players at the hand, blinds, uh, two, 250,000, 500,000. Uh, so Kata, uh, I raised to a 1.1 million on the button. Alex Linsky calls from the big blind, so we go head-to-head. Head. Uh, the flop is – you have – by the way, you have a king of clubs, nine of hearts. Okay. And what was my position? I was one of the blinds? Uh, you are uh, the big blind. Okay. I'm the uh, – And Carter was the button. Everyone I'm pulled the to the button. Okay. Right. So the, hand, the table was probably six-handed since you said there was six four handed. players. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, so you have king nine offsuit. And I, I, I'm not giving you my hand yet, but right. uh, the flop is the king of spades, the ten of diamonds, the five of hearts. So again, a rainbow flop, which uh, you pair up on the flop with your kings. Uh, you check, which I th- I thought was kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, trying to well. slow pay the kings. I bet a million. What do you do? I probably would just call right here. Okay, that's what he did. Uh, the turn comes in is the jack of hearts. So now you have, again, you have a gut shot straight draw. Yeah, but an ugly gut shot straight draw because right. that's, you got the, well, I can't mention her name, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have the king. You have that, that particular straight draw. Okay, you check again after the turn. Okay. My bet is two point six million. At this point, I might be taking a raise. You be you would raise. I would probably be taking a raise here because that board just got uglier for me. Yeah. So if you've got a queen in your hand and and you know you're open ended, um, I'm 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 putting you to the test right now probably because right. I don't think you've got a king. You know, you can raise with any two cards from the from the button. You know, the hijack. You're trying to hijack the hand. I top, I pair top pair. You could have raised with a queen deuce in your hand. You know, yeah. And and now have an open ended. So I'm not going to let you get there cheap. So that's what I would do. Okay. Uh, he didn't. He called. He just called. He just okay. made the call. Now go to the river, which is a three of diamonds. A base is going complete blank. And Linsky checks again. I move all in for seven point one million. You you've got to show me something better than the king. Yeah. And I would make the call. You would make the call there. Uh-huh. He folded. He did. He folded. He must have had a read on Kata then. What is Kata? Kata had. Hand? Kata did show his hand. He had ace uh, six. So he had nothing. So he didn't yeah. have a re- – like I said, I would have made the An- call. Another but- great bluff by Joe Cotta. Yeah, but I think that was you a bad play. That, to me, work. that was a very bad play by that player because six-handed, he makes that kind of bet. I, you, know, listen, you, you, you stroked him along the whole way. He's got to show me – at that point, he's got to show me something better than top pair. And, you know, if he hasn't, God bless him. But that would have been my read on that particular hand. And again, if he had made the raise on the turn, which is what I what I would have done, he he either would have gotten forced to put it all in because Cotter may have come over the top of him right. and gone all in, or he would have folded and he'd have taken down that pot right there. He said uh, the description Cotter uh, basically opted to move all in, uh, perhaps thinking that the pressure of the situation would both help lend some credibility to his three barrel bluff. While also making it harder for Linsky to, to find the call, and and that's exactly what happened. Well, like I said, I would have you know played that hand. Well, I told you how I would have played that hand. So, 
I would have. I think I would have taken the pot down on the turn. And if he forces me to go all in on the turn, I would have done it with top pair. Right. You know, especially I have the draw again. So. Well, and instead of checking three times, Linsky checking three times, if he does make some kind of bet, can hot Kata stay in there with only ace high? No. I mean, again, Kata seems to have had a great read on him. Yeah. I mean, he got the guy to fold to make the call twice, to make the call twice on, you know, uh, after he had checked and he made the guy call him with top pair. And again, if I think that Cotter's got me beat, why am I throwing that money in there? I, I've got to assume that my king is good at that point. And uh, that's how that's how I played the hand. That's how I analyzed the hand for you. So right. I, I, I don't think he did anything wrong other than not raise on the turn or make the call on the all-in. Because to me, I thought he was setting uh, Cotter up for those, for those plays. And, uh, otherwise, why make the call? In my opinion, why am I going to make that call if I'm not trying to set up Kata? I've got top pair. If I think he's got top pair with a better kicker or two pairs, I let my hand go at that point. I don't know. what I would have asked him, what were you trying to find on the river? Because if a queen comes, Kata has an ace, you're dead. Because you've, you've got the low end of the straight. Yeah. If the nine hits, Kata has a queen, he just middled you for the straight. So... I, again, I'd like to know what he was, what his thought process was, what he was hoping to catch there, that justified him making those calls. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I found those both be interesting because a lot of times we look at hands that are a little more spectacular, but uh, a lot of times uh, if you play the proper bluffs, uh, that can help you well, make a lot of money in tournaments. And Dave, you just made a great point there by by saying, you know, yeah, we look at the spectacular hands where the guy hits a one or two outer, but these are the type of hands that show you why Joe Codd is a main event winner and why he also made a deep run in another one, right? Right. I think he won. I think he won two bracelets that year, actually. Yeah, and but he he won a bracelet right after the main event that he got knocked out in on the final table. Uh, I believe didn't he didn't he win the tournament that was right after the main event a couple of years ago? Uh, I believe uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this shows you what a great player he is and what a great read he has on his opponents uh, because he was able to get them off of their hands. The first one, ten jack, you know, would have played out differently if the ten jack goes all in at one point. You know, like you said, it gets aggressive, but. Kata had a great read. He called with absolutely nothing in his hands in that first scenario with a king-queen. So you got to give credit to the player. He, and, and these are the type of hands that make you win bracelets. Right. Well, pretty interesting. And uh, I have to say, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I never thought Kata was that great a player because I thought he got very lucky the year he did win the, win, the tournament with the uh, low pocket pairs that seemed to hold up. Well, guess what? Yes, he did get lucky. But you know what happens? When you navigate fields of five, six, seven thousand players, right. you need to have a little bit of luck. But you didn't get there on luck. The, the only main event winner that I think got there mostly on luck, you know, 80, 90 percent on luck was uh, Jamie Gold. Yeah. The other players had some skill levels at some point during that tournament. So, you know, this this you're right. This proves to me, you know, how these hands played out that, you know, Joe Cotter's an outstanding poker player. If you had any doubts before that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's going to about do it for the show. Uh, as we head back uh, to the poker rooms, uh, I am hoping Daniel opens uh, the rest of their poker room. I don't know how much uh, stomach they have for that right now. They seem to be concentrating they, mainly on the things that they absolutely have to do. So, uh, well, I haven't they, seen it from them. All I could tell you is the only thing I could tell you right now is the fact that uh, it indicates that they're not making money in that poker room, not even yeah. a little bit. So. No, absolutely. Well, thanks for being with us, everybody. Uh, we'll work on a couple of guests upcoming. Of course, we always would like to hear from you. 
lemondave at yahoo.com is the new website we have uh is the new uh email address i have for uh talking to you online if you have any suggestions we'd also like to get your uh, email just basically to let you know we have a big tournament coming up later in the fall here we're going to invite people with a very nice uh prizes so uh it'll be free and uh, have your chance to uh, play but can't contact you and let you know when to sign up or how to sign up unless you give me the information so just basically call let me know uh how you like the show what you would like to hear topics guests and upcoming things in the fall and i'd be certainly happy to keep you apprised of when we're going to have this great tournament and your chance to win some money uh that's going to do it joe thank you as usual hope you're feeling a little better and uh, joe costello thank you for your uh, input to the show tonight and all the work you do for us as well every week here on poker action line we'll catch you next week with another show uh if you can get to the tables we hope you do if you're doing it online we hope you play well there as well we'll catch you next week on another edition of the show The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 